0: And welcome to the Employment Hour. The number is 1-855-821-5900 to get a hold of Lior anytime, lior at employmenthour.com for email. We'll get to a few of those today. And we will uh, continue our discussion as well from last week in answering the most common questions that Lior gets. And there is a a whole slew of them. But first, we get into the week that was, right?
1: That's right, John. Thank you very much. Happy to be back here as always. And uh, this is the place uh, we answer questions. We talk about workplace rights. We tell you the things that you can't get answered otherwise or elsewhere. So let's start with the week that was, as always, John, some employment matters that I dealt with uh, this particular week that hopefully our listeners are going to find interesting. The first situation uh, involved a gentleman that called me uh, after he actually had quit his job. What happened uh, in this gentleman, he had worked for the company for about five years, and he had a significant bonus component to his compensation. And every year when he got his performance review, he'd be rated on several categories from one to Mm -hmm. five. And on that basis, there would be a calculation for, for his bonus. So obviously, the higher the rating, the greater the bonus. Sure. And he said that in every single year, he had received five on all categories and he always got the maximum bonus. Well, uh, earlier this year, there was a new president of the company that, that, that joined. He had been there for only about a month, this president, when he gave this person, my client, a performance review. In this performance review, He all of a sudden was rated one on all the categories. for the first (laughs) time by this president of the company that had only been there for a month. So he's rated one, 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 one. Uh, And of course, the company says, because you're rated so badly, you don't get your bonus. Uh, This person was so upset, so offended, so enraged, he quit. He resigned. And uh, he heard me talk a couple of weeks ago about constructive dismissal on this radio show. And he called me. And here's what I told them. I told them that an employer has the duty to assess, to provide an assessment in good faith, using proper metrics, proper information. They can't be arbitrary. Uh, and and if they don't do that, if they give you arbitrary ratings that are not justified, and because of that, they don't pay you tens of thousands of dollars that you would otherwise get, that is a constructive dismissal. So that that is something that they're not allowed to do. So if you resign as a result of them uh, uh, rating you inappropriately, number one. Number two, not paying you a huge mm-hmm. bonus, then you've resigned because of a constructive dismissal. So not only are you owed your bonus, you're also owed severance. He worked there for five years. He'd easily be entitled to right around eight months of pay. And you're owed your bonus for the severance period, for the eight months. Nice. So very important for employers to understand, You know, if you're trying to avoid your legal obligation to pay someone bo- a bonus or, or to give someone money that's owed... Uh, you really have to have your, your ducks in a row. Uh, taking an employee that's been a stellar, great employee, always getting the high ratings and having someone believe that overnight he became this terrible employee, the lowest rated employee yeah. possible, it's just not going to fly. Uh, you know, our laws, our courts can see right through that. So in this case, I have no hesitation in saying that this person is going to get his bonus, he's going to get his severance, and even though he resigned, that really was a constructive dismissal.
0: What should the uh, employer have done to send out an email saying we're discontinued? Because it obviously sounds like they don't want to pay him his bonus. So should they say we're discontinuing
1: bonuses? Well, they could have given an advance notice and say maybe starting next year we'll discontinue bonuses. You can't say, well, we've decided today that tomorrow you're not going to get a bonus. If there was legitimate concerns with him, they could have addressed those before and give it some legitimacy. Mm -hmm. If he thinks everything is hunky-dory, he's doing the same stellar job he's always done, and he shows up for a review by a new manager, and now he's a terrible employee, that's just not the way to handle it. That's bad HR, not to mention uh, illegal. So uh, I, I have no hesitation saying that's bad practice and this person is going to get the compensation that he's owed. What else we got? The second matter uh, that I'm going to talk about uh, involved uh, a lady who had contacted me and, and gave me her information. Information was as follows. She was let go from her job after 34 years. Uh, she, uh, she was making over $50,000. She was a, a supervisor in a, in a store. And uh, when she was let go, she was given eight weeks' pay. Actually, she was given nine weeks pay, and uh, and I asked her if she f- was able to find a job. She didn't, and I'm thinking, wow, I mean, this lady, thank God, she called me uh, because she probably would be out 24 months pay, <laughs> yeah. and nine weeks is nonsense. Well, guess what, John? Uh, then she she lays the bombshell on me, and that is she signed off on the severance wah, wah. and she said, "Well, Lior, you had told me you, uh, you said on the show that there 's a two year limitation period. this only happened a few months ago, so what does it matter that I signed off well no unfortunately it doesn 't work that way, and as you know, John, once you sign off you 're done for the most part there 's nothing that you can do about it the two year limitation period doesn 't apply, so even though this lady could have been owed two years pay instead of nine weeks that she received John." Because she signed off, she didn't know any better, she didn't get legal advice, there's nothing I can do for her, and it was such bad news to deliver to, for her that you could have been owed another $100,000 maybe, but you decided to accept something. So please, our listeners today, if you're know, if you in that situation or your friends and family are in that situation when they lost their job, please don't let that happen to them. Have them give me a call if they lost their job. Let me at least have the opportunity to assess how much they're owed.
0: Just before we take a break, can you? Is there any way you can go back on that ever? Like if you signed under duress or anything like that, where you can recall it?
1: There is a very, very small window. You would have to show that you were may being threatened with all mm-hmm. kinds of nasty things if you don't sign. It's going to be very, very difficult. So, in ninety-five percent of the cases, you're not going to be able to go back.
0: So just take a take a breather, have a look at it, give someone a call like you, and, and go from yeah,
1: there. Or use yeah, use the severance pay calculator. Give me a call, and remember that deadline that's in that severance offer right. Friday at, f- at 5. Right. It doesn't yeah. expire. It means nothing. Okay? Wow. What would have happened if she hadn't signed by Friday at 5? It means I could have gotten her potentially two years' pay. How crazy That's is, what is what that? That's happened. probably the
0: worst news she ever heard.
1: Yeah, terrible news. I had yeah. to deliver it, and I hope never to have to deliver news like that again.
0: Take a quick break. We'll get to some emails. Get back into our answering the most common questions. Lior gets uh, 1-855-821-5900. Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. More of the Employment Hour straight ahead on AM640 and AM900. CHML. And back with more of the Employment Hour. The number is 1 855 821 5900 to get a hold of Lior and Lior at employmenthour.com. Let's get back into where we left last week. We've had requests to to pick up more of these because these are the questions people ask you uh, every day in the practice. And some of the ones are the more common questions you get asked. I'll start with this one. Is there, some of these, by the way, are sent to us through email. Is there a difference between termination pay and severance pay?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, I this is an extremely important question because a lot of the misconceptions, a lot of the misinformation, that's out there uh, revolves around, well, wait a second, is there a difference between termination pay? Should I only be getting termination pay, not severance pay? Mm-hmm. So, so let me simplify this, okay? We don't need to get into technicalities. When we're talking about compensation that you get as a result of losing your job, generally we refer to that as severance, okay? And this, you can refer to it as termination pay, you can also refer to it as pay in lieu of notice. It means the same thing it's compensation that's owed to you if you lost your job uh, because your employer decided to let you go that is it so there's really no real distinction between those terms they mean the same thing now under the employment standards act for a person's minimum entitlements there is a distinction but we don't really need to discuss that for the most part it doesn't impact a person's full entitlements so when i say you're owed severance It means the same as termination pay, and it's based on a person's age, position, length of employment. Do not get hung up on the difference or distinction Mm -hmm. between those two things. They really mean the same thing. Compensation that you're owed as a result of losing your job.
0: I'm being harassed in the workplace. What can I do? What do I do? Uh, you are being harassed John? By you constantly. Constantly. Thank you. Well, <laughs> you're lucky I like you.
1: Yeah, well, that's okay. If if it's, if it's me, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> uh, I I do it out of love, John. So, if someone's harassed in the workplace all joking aside, that could be a very serious matter. We spend so much time at work working with our coworkers more time than we spend with our family. So if something is someone is not treating us well, harassing us, uh, discriminating against us, that can make our lives very, very miserable. And I understand that. And I speak with people like that every day. And you know the, the best course of action if you're the victim of harassment or the first course of action is to see if the matter can be resolved internally. Mm-hmm. You don't want to necessarily uh, get me involved right off the bat unless you don't unless you have to. So what do you do? you try to speak with the appropriate person. It, maybe it's the HR person. Maybe it's the person uh, that's uh, the, the supervisor manager. Anyone that has authority to make a change, to make the situation stop. Now, depending who the uh, harasser is, so if the harasser is the president of the company, there probably is not gonna be anything that you can do internally because no one is over and above the president of the company. But if it's a coworker or a supervisor, you may be able to go to HR Tell them what's happened. Give them whatever information you have and, and see what they can do. A good HR person, a good employer is going to investigate, is going to take appropriate measures to end the harassment, to separate people, to discipline the, uh, the guilty party, and, and try to make things better. Where I need to get involved, and I need to get involved right away, John, is if you've tried that and it's led to nothing. Nothing's happened. They didn't do anything. They, they uh, brushed it under the rug and then ignored it you need to contact me because at that point, I may be able to get involved and make it either stop or potentially extract you from the workplace and still get your compensation. But ideally, you want to try to resolve internally. And should
0: you keep records of you doing so?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely, because you don't want them to say, wait a second, employee, you never told us there was a problem. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I did. Well, how do you prove it? So if you speak with HR, write down the name or maybe put that in writing. uh, and and, Keep uh, emails. Keep emails, keep records. And if there is any records of the harassment itself, maybe someone is sending you nasty emails or sending you unsolicited pornography. I've seen that happen many times keep that. So you have that record, so you can deal with that uh, if if ever challenged.
0: I know you get this one quite a bit as well. Another one, uh, but our list of answering the most common questions that you get is, my employer wants to change the terms of my employment to some degree. What can I do?
1: Yeah, and and it happens all the time. And we talk about most common questions. It's probably one that I get every day. My employer wants to reduce my pay, uh, relocate me, uh, demote me, uh, take away my bonus, uh, change the hours, hours et cetera, many, many different things. And ultimately, an employer is not allowed to make significant changes to the terms of employment. Now, what's significant is right. going to be different in every situation. Uh, if you're making three hundred thousand dollars, a five thousand dollar pay uh, decrease is not going to be significant. If you're making thirty-five thousand dollars, a five thousand dollar pay decrease is huge. So the 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 difference is going to be based on every fact. But generally, if you're uh, in a situation where the employer wants to make significant changes, you don't have to accept that. That could easily be a constructive dismissal. It's as if they let you go. And if you've been constructively dismissed, if your employer has imposed changes on you that are not good, that are significant, you can treat your employment as being at an end, leave, and get your full severance as if they had let you go. The only words of advice that I'll leave you with on that point is please don't ever, ever, ever resign without speaking to me first. Okay? Right. We need to do this properly and that every single change is a constructive dismissal. So don't assume it must be a constructive dismissal, so I'm gonna quit. Speak to me first.
0: And the same goes for relocation. I mean across town's one thing, but you know, one more subway stop is not a big deal. No, right? exactly.
1: And then again every case is different. No. If if you commute to work is different than if you drive. Uh, so in some cases a relocation may not be a big deal, in other cases it could be huge. So if you're not sure if it's a big deal or not, if it's a constructive dismissal or not. Easy. You give me a call, you email me, I'll tell you.
0: We'll start on this one before we get to a break. uh, Does my employer have to accommodate my medical restrictions or conditions?
1: Yeah, and it's it's a resounding yes, John. An employer has a very, very strict, one of the strictest obligations that they have to uh, accommodate someone's uh, medical disability uh, uh, restrictions, their disability, to provide the modified duties, modified hours as required or prescribed by the person's doctor. There's very little wiggle room here. An employer can't say, well, you know, we'd rather not because that, the, everyone's going to want that if I accommodate right.
0: you. You probably heard that before.
1: All the time. That doesn't work that way. As long as the doctor says, here's the accommodation that this individual needs, the employer, for the most part, has to provide that, except in extreme situations where accommodating is going to cause a very great degree of hardship on the employer. So the employer has to accommodate. If they do not, it's a violation of the Human Rights Code. It can also Mm -hmm. be a constructive dismissal, as we spoke about before. So if you're in that situation, again, your employer won't accommodate you, and, and they're being unreasonable, guess what? You give me a call. 1-855-821-5900
0: one 821 5900 is that number, Lior at EmploymentHour.com. We'll get to some emails and continue with our talk about the answering the most common questions that Lior gets in his practice week in, week out. This is Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. And back into the Employment Hour, the number to get hold of Lior anytime, one Leor 821 5900 Lior and EmploymentHour.com. We were talking uh, before the break about the most common questions you get at your practice. Um, well, we, we covered this at the beginning of the show, but we'll go through. What happens to my bonus if I'm let go?
1: very common question, uh, a, ver- a variation of this question is what happens to my car allowance or what happens to my benefits or my pension. Uh, and the answer to, to those questions is the same. They have to be included for the severance, for the severance period. So if you're owed 12 months severance, that's 12 months of compensation, salary, bonus, benefits, etc. And oftentimes a bonus can be a very significant component of compensation. Someone could be entitled to 20, 30, 40, 50% of their income by way of a bonus. So if they are going to get 12 months pay as severance, well, that has to be uh, including their bonus. If it's not, it it could be uh, uh, short by tens of thousands of dollars. So remember, the rule is very simple. When you're let go, what happens to your bonus? Number one, the the bonus you've accrued up until the date of termination has to get paid. So if you're let go in September, the bonus that you've accrued, let's say, between January and September has to be paid based on your past average as well as the bonus from September forward for the severance period has to be paid to you as well. And how do we calculate it? Usually, we would simply calculate it on the basis of what your average bonus is. So, uh, there are some exceptions where a bonus may not have to be paid. Those are quite rare. So, the general rule is bonus, uh, car allowance, benefits, etc., have to be included.
0: Unless you're president of a bank, then it's usually five times your salary. Five times.
1: That must be nice, John. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding, I think right? I'm going to go work for the bank. Then.
0: <laughs> How long does it take to uh, resolve a dispute with my former employer?
1: One of the reasons, you know, I, I, I sit here every week and I tell people, give me a call, email me, don't worry about uh, speaking to me. And and a lot of people do, but a lot of people don't. And why do some people not want to make that call or send the email? Because they're worried. They're thinking, well, if I talk to Lior and Lior says I'm owed more severance mm-hmm. or I'm owed more money and you going to help me get that. Well, maybe that's going to take two years, and who wants to fight for two years, and is it really worth it? And that misconception makes them not make the call and lose out on a lot of money yep. that they're owed. Well, here's the truth. It doesn't take two years, it doesn't take a, a year, it doesn't even take six months in the vast majority of cases. The average period of time should be two weeks to three months. Most cases fall in the two-week period, okay? These matters can often and often do resolve very, very quickly. And if you're worried about this taking years, you're, you're wrong. Maybe 1% of all cases. So if I'm going to do 100 cases uh, next month, one of them may uh, take a year plus. That is really rare. And the good thing is I'll be able to tell you when we speak, if we decide that there's something I could do for you, how long you should expect to last. Is it going to be a week, a month, or something else? So please don't let the, that be a deterrent preventing you from pursuing what your legal rights are.
0: 1-855-821-5900, Lior at is the contact. you. This one you must get probably five times a week, if not five times a day. If I negotiate my severance with my former employer, do I risk losing what they already offered?
1: And that's another reason, John, why people may not call or be worried about calling. Say, well, the employer's offered me three months' pay, and if if I don't uh, accept it, and I talk to Leor, and Leor says it should be five months' pay, I'm, maybe I lose the three months that they've already offered me. So let, let's set that to rest. Let's put that to rest and uh, say, no, you will not lose what you've been offered. If I consult with you and I tell you you're owed more compensation, what does that mean? That means that what you've already been offered represents a fabulous deal for the employer. So they would love for you to accept that because it's a great deal for them. So that money is not going anywhere, John. They're not going to pull it off the table. It's simply about how much extra you're actually owed. I've had one case in about 13 years where the offer was pulled off the table, and maybe I mentioned it once before on the show, and that is after the employer let the employee go, they found out that the employee was stealing from them. Well, guess what? They weren't inclined yeah. to offer him anything at that point, and they pulled the offer off the table. But unless you've been stealing from your employer, you really have nothing to worry about them pulling the offer off the table. I want to get
0: to a, a quick email here, and it's, uh, we'll get to one from Doreen. It says, I worked as a hairdresser full-time, five years. I get paid a fixed weekly salary. That doesn't change. I was let go, and the salon owner said that I was an independent contractor, so I wasn't was not entitled to severance. Is that right? And does it make a difference that I was uh, that I was paid HST.
1: Yeah, and you know, very common situation, not just in a in the hair salon uh, world, but in other uh, jobs as well, where you you have a job that looks on paper like every other job. You go to work, you get paid, uh, you go home, you do the same thing again tomorrow. But then the employer says, "Well, really, we're treating you as an independent contractor." without withholding taxes, so you're you're not an employee. In the eyes of the law, that's nonsense. If you are working exclusively full-time, regular hours for an amount of time for the company, you're an employee. It doesn't matter what they call you. It doesn't matter whether they pay HST or they don't pay HST. You're either an employee or, or you're not. So in this case, based on what Doreen is saying, if she's worked there for five years full-time on a fixed salary, of course she's an employee. So if she's been let go, she's going to be owed severance. How much? I would need to know her age. Probably six, seven, eight months in that range is what mm-hmm. she'd be owed. So she definitely needs to give me a call. The fact that, that they're calling an independent contractor is meaningless.
0: We'll wrap up these, the, uh, answering the most common questions that you get. This one's uh, one you love, and we get it all the time. I'm part of a union. Can you help me?
1: Yeah, and you know probably uh, one of the top three questions that I get, both on the show and in, in my office, Someone calls me with a situation, and then they say, "Well, the union won't help me, so I, I'd like for you to help me, Lior." So, just to clarify, I cannot, and no, no lawyer can help a unionized employee. Not because we don't want you to, uh, because we don't like you, or because we don't want to help you. Simply because a lawyer cannot, is not allowed to help a unionized employee by law. Only the union is allowed to help a unionized employee, no matter what. If the union refuses to help or the union is not doing a good job, you're, you're stuck for the most part. That's one of the problems with being part of a union. So there's not much that you can do about that. So unfortunately, I can only help any employment lawyer, can only help non-unionized employees.
0: Take a quick break. Get into to some more emails, one That is the number to call any time to get a hold of Lior. You can drop emails as well at Lior at employmenthour.com. This is the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Back into the employment hour, the t- or the least the email to get a hold of Lior is simpler. L I O R at employmenthour.com and 1 855 821 5900. That is your number anytime. Leave a message, get a hold, ask your questions. We'll get through a bunch here. I want to move on to uh, resignation and some questions and some points we get asked on the show as well. And that is, uh, can an employee be forced, forced to resign?
1: Yeah, and and as soon as we say forced to resign, those words contradict each other. Because (laughs) if you're being forced, obviously it's not something you do voluntarily and by definition a resignation is something that happens voluntarily so it's actually physically impossible to be forced to resign if you're forced to resign you're terminated that's it there's no other way about uh, about it a resignation is something that the employee does out of his or her own volition uh, wanting to do it voluntarily without any pressure uh, exerted on them if they if an employee does that voluntarily that is a resignation and that impacts their entitlements but if someone says you have no choice but to resign Guess what? If you have no choice but to resign, then you've been terminated, so you cannot be forced to resign. And it happens more often than you think, John.
0: So they can't simply come up and say, we'd like you. We think it might be a good
1: idea if you were to wrap it up. And if they say that, you'd say, well, I beg to differ. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I will not be resigning and then your employer if they still want you gone I guess they can let you go and pay you your full severance Mm -hmm. oftentimes this whole uh, we think you should resign thing it's it's just a way to allow the employer to let someone go really but not have to pay severance because they can say, well, really they resign. That's nonsense.
0: It goes up to the next level then. They give you an ultimatum, either resign or we can you.
1: Yeah, well, guess what? Again, that's not voluntary. So either you're gone or you're gone. It's really what that amounts to. So if you're ultimatum, which I see happen all the time, the ultimatum is, well, we're gonna fire you, employee, unless you resign, and you resign as a result, guess what, that is still a termination because you haven't been. Get- there's no option for you to stay. Either way, you're gone. The only thing about that is because I wanted to be clear that you resigned because you were told you have no choice, I want there to be a record. So I would want you to to send an email, something to the employer that says, even though I told you I'm resigning or whatever it is, you told me that I had no choice. You told me that you'll fire me otherwise. Because you don't want the employer later to say, oh, he resigned. I don't know why. We wanted him to stay. Right. So you need to have a record of that. But an ultimatum like that does not create a lawful resignation. It's still a termination you still get full severance. Is
0: there ever a situation where it's actually better to resign than to be let go?
1: Not really, John. There really Hmm. isn't a a situation. Now, if you did something awful, something so bad that could allow the employer to let you go for cause, maybe you stole, maybe you, you hit somebody, I don't know, something very, very bad. In that situation, if your employer is willing to put on a record of employment that you resigned, uh, and instead of fired for cause, maybe there's a value there because you wouldn't be getting severance anyway if you did right, those things. Right. But unless you're guilty of some, some of that really significant misconduct, there really is no difference. It's not helpful for you. It doesn't save you anything. It's going to cost you potentially because it's going to make it more difficult to get the severance that you're legally owed.
0: 1-855-821-5900. Lior at employmenthour.com is the way to contact Leora anytime. any time. What if uh, an employee resigns? Uh, heat of the moment. Angry. Mm-hmm. Ticked off, walks out.
1: Happens all the time. We get into some sort of an altercation, a discussion. uh, We don't agree. And, you know, I've had it with this place. I'm out of here. I've seen this happen a hundred times. John Smiling, I'm sure you've you've thought of doing that. I don't think you have. Are you
0: kidding? (laughs) Come on.
1: No, uh, never, never. Of course (laughs) not. No, no, no. I certainly haven't. But if that happens, the heat of the moment is not a real resignation, John. Uh, it, It can't be. As long as the employee takes it back reasonably quickly, you know, within a day or a couple of days. Uh, it's, it's assumed that something that's said in the heat of the moment is not something you can be held to. So if you walk out storming saying, I can't take this, I resign. Tomorrow, you say, uh, you come back to work. Obviously, I was Kidding. I was not <laughs> not thinking clearly. And the employer says, well, what are you talking about? You said you resigned. Bob at accounting heard you, and so did uh, the office manager. That is not a resignation. If they refuse to allow you to come back, that it becomes a termination. Heat of the moment resignation really doesn't hold up. Now, if you resign on the heat of the moment, sit at home for a month and then come back and say, "Oh, I, I didn't mean it. Yeah. it's probably too late by then." You'd have to retract that resignation pretty quickly.:
0: Get to an all from uh, an email rather from Saul says I work as a payroll clerk and I have to work extra hours to get the job done, but my uh, employer insists that I should get the job done on time and that he won't pay overtime. A, can I get over time, and can the employer say that I'm just not efficient with my time?
1: Yeah, no, a very good question. We, we I get that asked quite a bit. Uh, first of all, if you're, if, if you're working at overtime hours, even if they haven't been approved, as long as it's, you can show that they were reasonably necessary to do the job, you're entitled to overtime, okay? You're entitled to get paid. So if you work more than 44 hours a week, even though strictly speaking, your hours are 40, but you had to work 44 or 45 or 50 to get the job done, they have to pay you overtime. Remember, overtime for the most part is paid based on hours work more than 44 hours a week. You get time and a half of that. So, uh, the employer is going for the employer to show that you just weren't efficient with your time. That would be extremely difficult, almost impossible. They really mm-hmm. would have to show that you went out of your way not to do the work on time for the sole purpose of trying to get overtime. Uh, it, it wouldn't be good enough to say, well, you know, Bob across the hall was able to get his job done in 40. Why did it take you 45 hours? So for the most part, if you work the overtime hours, if you can show that you did, if there's a record of you working that you have to get paid overtime, and it's up, an, up to the employer to, to uh, prevent you from doing that if they don't want you to. They can't say, well, we didn't know. That's not good enough.
0: Do you just keep a a, a schedule, a a docket of your overtime? Ideally, yes. If there's
1: no punch clock or you don't have to sign in and out, then you should keep your own records. You keep a log and show, you know, Monday I work from this time to this time, Tuesday, et cetera. So uh, you have to keep that log. Otherwise, it's going to be very difficult to establish.
0: Take a quick break. 1-855-821-5900. That's Lior's direct number, Leor at EmploymentHour.com. Watch more of the show. We'll talk more about resignation and all those good things on the show. This is the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM640 and AM900CHML. The number to get hold of Leor any time for the Employment Hour is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred 855 821 5900 and Leor at EmploymentHour.com. We were talking about resignation before the break, so we'll continue doing so. Uh, say an employer does want to resign uh, on their own volition now, how much notice do they have to give?
1: And you know, good question. This actually is a bit of a, a gray area in the law. The law is pretty clear and specific in terms of the notice that an employer has to give to an employee uh, if the employer lets the employee go, or how much severance the employer has to pay. The law is not as clear in terms of the notice that the the employee has to give their employer now so how how do we answer that question oftentimes the answer to that question is in an employment agreement so if you sign an employment agreement it may say employee if you resign you agree to give us two weeks three weeks six weeks whatever it is Mm -hmm. so that's your obligation at that point if if you sign an employment agreement that says how much you have to give strictly speaking that's how much you should give Uh, otherwise you're in breach of the agreement if you did not sign an employment agreement that speaks to that issue You have to give what's reasonable. And what's reasonable does depend on on your job, how senior a position you have, how hard would it be for the employer to replace you, uh, how much they really need you. So if you work on the assembly line, it's different than if you're the vice president of of marketing. So, you know, we may have different uh, obligations. The more senior you are, the more notice you'd have to give. The range would start usually at two weeks and it could be as long as a few months for very, very senior people. And the risk there is if you don't give sufficient notice, right. uh, you're, and because of that, your employer loses money, loses business to incur additional costs, you may be liable for those losses. So always be careful with that. Uh, and f- certainly, if it's something is in your employment agreement, it tells you how much notice you have to give, you should give that much notice.
0: So now we'll take it a step further. And uh, I go to my employer, and I tell them on my resignation. And uh, they give me notice as soon as I tell them, you're gone.
1: You're gone right now. Yeah. So I told my employer, 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 I'm going to leave in four weeks. I'm giving you four weeks' notice. Well, since you've resigned, you're gone today. Four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens then? Well, th- what happens, the employer has to pay for the time that the employee was going to work. So if the employee was going to give four weeks' notice and the employer wants them gone today, that's fine. But they have to pay them that four weeks. All right? So very, very important. Uh, an employer can't just let someone go uh, when they resign without paying them the balance of the time they were going to work. So if you've been in that if you're in that situation, you gave notice, you were told to leave and you didn't get paid for the time, you're owed money, you probably want to give me a call at that point.
0: Let's talk about uh, dependent contractors. We talk about both independent contractors and dependent contractors and, and we talk about people being employers versus independent contractors, but is there a third category? Yes.
1: Yeah, there is a third category. I mean, oftentimes we and we talked about this on the show many times, someone is either an employee or an independent contractor, but there is an in-between category. Someone that's not quite an employee, not quite an independent contractor. This is someone that's a dependent contractor. A dependent co- contractor is not an employee necessarily. He doesn't uh doesn't work like an employee, but he's not really in business for himself either. So a dependent contractor is someone that gets virtually all of their income from one source, from one company, say. Uh, Someone who does a a job that's directly connected uh, to what their employer does or that's essential to their employer business, but may still not be an employee. So they don't necessarily have fixed hours. Uh, They don't necessarily work from the employer's offices. The key here is if you get almost all your income from one company, you're either a dependent contractor or an employee, likely, uh, and not an independent contractor.
0: What would an example be? Like a real estate agent, possibly? A
1: real estate agent would be a, right. a very good example of, of someone that's, you know, not, they have some flexibility that an employee may not have, but they're not an independent contractor. They work for one brokerage house or one uh, broker, and they get all their income from that person. Uh, and, and they may well be a dependent contractor, and in that situation, wh- why do we care? Why does it matter if you're an independent contractor or a dependent contractor? The reason we care is a dependent contractor would be treated on termination very similar to an employee, so they would still be entitled to the same severance pretty much as an employee would be, uh, uh, would be owed. So... It's much better for someone to be deemed to be a dependent contractor than an independent contractor, because if your job is as terminated, you get severance. One eight five five eight
0: two one fifty nine hundred 821 at employmenthour dot com. We'll get to an uh, email rather from Barry says I received notice of termination, but this was extended three times before I was finally let go. Uh, Is it appropriate for the employer to extend the notice of termination like that that many times?
1: Yeah, and and the the short answer is it's not. The reason for that is so if you give someone notice and then right before the notice is expiring, say, well, by the way, we're going to keep you for another three months. And right before that expires, we're going to keep you another three months. What happens then is that employee now doesn't really know when their employment is going to be terminated. Maybe it's going to be extended again, maybe five more times. Maybe it will, maybe it Mm -hmm. won't. It takes away the certainty that the employee has to have when their employment is terminated, when they get notice. When an employer has to give notice to an employee, there should be no doubt in the employee's mind when their job is going to come to an end. So when the employer keeps extending it, that certainty is gone. So what does that mean? That means that the notice is not effective. So it's as if the employer did not give any notice. So if eventually the employer now says, now this time that's it, today really is your last day, we're not extending it anymore, and we gave you notice for the first time 10 months ago, and we kept extending it, it's as if they gave no notice whatsoever. So that employee that's finally been let go is owed severance, full severance, even though they would have received months and months of notice, because that notice is not effective. So in, in Barry's uh, situation, if it's been extended three times, that notice is not effective. So remember, if you're let go, you get severance.
0: And that severance uh, would include, say, the 10 months that you mentioned where it kept getting put off. Yeah, yeah, we
1: would look at the usual factors, age, position, length of employment. And let's say that analysis gives us 12 months and the employer says, okay, 12 months, we already gave you 10 months notice, so we only owe you two months pay. Mm -hmm. If that notice is not effective, they actually now have to pay 12 months. Nice. So that's very good for the individual. Uh, And so for employers, be mindful of the fact that if you want to give notice, uh, give notice, but don't extend it or uh, certainly not more than once because you take away the certainty and it's as if you never gave notice to begin with.
0: The number to get a hold of Lior is one eight five we will take some emails as well, Leor at employmenthour.com. This is the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. And back with, uh, for a few more minutes of the, uh, the Employment Hour here, Leor at EmploymentHour.com is the email and one 855 821 the number to get a hold of. We'll wrap up our uh, chat on dependent contractors now. This one's probably every day as well. How common is it for people to be called independent contractors when they are actually dependent contractors?
1: You know, in, in my experience, uh, many of the people that I refer to as uh, independent contractors are not that they're really in reality either employees or dependent contractors so it's very very common that people are something other than what they believe necessarily that they are what the company uh, calls them So very common most people that that call me are in that situation and that that's an important distinction because it could be the difference between no severance which is usually what an independent contractor would get no severance or getting your full severance which could be tens of thousands of dollars Uh, which is what a dependent contractor and an employee is entitled to. So it's a common situation. If you are now out of a job, uh, you're not sure really whether you should be considered an independent contractor, an employee, a dependent contractor, I'll make it easy. You call me, I'll tell you.
0: What if your employer says you, hires you on the basis saying you are a independent contractor?
1: And it's always a question of of, uh, substance over form. If you're called an independent contract, you sign an agreement that says you're an independent contractor, but you're not really because you work exclusively, uh, you work for the company only and for their offices, get a salary that you're really an employee. It doesn't matter what you call yourself or what they call you. Otherwise, everyone can be called an independent contractor. You know, I have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all, all my staff can be independent contractors. The kids in McDonald's flipping burgers will be independent contractors. Everyone can be independent contractors. It doesn't matter what you call someone. The, the reality on the ground is what matters.
0: Leordemploymenthour.com at is the email. We'll get to one from Miriam. Says, my boss treats me very badly. And as always rude, he now reduced my days of work from five days a week to three days a week. Is there something, anything I can do?
1: Well, John, what do you think she should do?
0: She should uh, not quit. She should look for her severance package. Well, then, right? she should
1: quit because potentially it's a constructive dismissal. Right. Uh, if First of all, being treated badly, I mean, depending on how badly it is and how we can prove it, that in itself can be a constructive dismissal. Obviously, you don't have to put up with being treated inappropriately. But certainly being, uh, having your days reduced from five days to three days, that's a significant change. That's 40% or whatever it is, reduction yeah. in your income potentially. So that is a constructive dismissal. So what I would say to her is give me a call, but what I would probably advise you to do at that point is, if you don't want to work three days a week, is to leave and get your full severance. And the good news is if you don't accept, your full severance is going to be calculated on the basis of five days a week. Whereas if you get reduced to three days a week and then a month later your employer lets you go, They still have to pay you severance, but now it's calculated on the basis of three days a week Hmm. only. It's a huge loss.
0: We'll get to one from Lou here, something we might have covered earlier, but you didn't hear it. Uh, Lou's email as follows. I got into an argument with my team leader where I got very frustrated. At one point, I grabbed my briefcase and told him that I quit, walked out, I'm out of there, was speaking out of frustration and didn't really mean it. Is there something I can do?
1: Yeah, it's exactly what we were talking about before about resignation, heat of the moment. Now, my only hope for Lou is that this didn't happen a month ago, that this happened very recently because the reality is if he was speaking out of frustration, heat of the moment and just grabbed his things and left, that is not a resignation as long as it takes it back very quickly. So Lou... If you're listening, please contact your employer immediately. Tell them you want to come back to work, that you were talking out of the heat of the moment. That's not what you wanted to do. And hopefully it's fine. Hopefully you can go back to work. If your employer says, no, you cannot, that's when you have to give me a call because it may well be a termination even though you were the one that resigned and you then may be out full severance.
0: Get to our last email for this show uh, from David says, my employer gave me eight weeks notice of termination uh, after 10 years of employment and said that they don't have to pay me severance because their payroll, I've heard this before, oh, yeah. is less than $2.5 million a year. Is that right?
1: People still do that, John. That's incredible. <laughs> that is absolutely incredible for employers to, to legitimately believe because of all this misinformation out there that they don't have to pay any more severance because their payroll is small. So so David, that is absolutely wrong, Okay. They don't have to uh, have a payroll of $2.5 million to pay severance. In fact, whether they have one employee or a 1,000 employee, employees, the amount of severance that they owe you is exactly the same. It's going to be based on your age, position, and length of employment, not the size of the company. So if you worked there for 10 years, even without knowing your age and position, I can tell you you're probably going to be owed anywhere from 8 to 14, 15 months severance depending on your age and position, not 8 weeks' pay. So you've been wrongfully dismissed, What the employers told you is completely wrong. And if any of our listeners are in that position, remember, the the amount of uh, payroll that the company has, the size of the employer, is not relevant to the amount that they owe you. Please remember that.
0: Severance Pay Calculator. Give it to me.
1: That's right. So what does David do? Uh, Rather than believe this whole uh, $2.5 million nonsense, he goes to severancepaycalculator.com. He inputs how long he works, how old he is, and the type of job. And the calculator is going to give him an estimate right there and then as to how many weeks or months pay he's owed. Very simple. And you compare that with what you've been offered. If it's, if it's fine, it's fine. If it's not fine, well, at least you know. You can contact me if you want. You don't have to, but at least you know. So hopefully all our listeners are now familiar with the severance calculator, and they'll tell those that are not familiar, if you lost your job or are worried about it, very simple. You go to severancepaycalculator.com.
0: And the numbers are right. Don't be shocked, <laughs> right?
1: I've double-checked them, triple-checked them. Every single number you see there is right.
0: How about terminationquestions.com right. as well?
1: Well, there you go. You may have uh, other questions. You know, we've gotten emails. You may have other questions. You don't want to necessarily call me, or you, you think of a question at 11 o'clock at night. I don't pick up my phone then, John. Well, you go it's to true. termination... Yeah, you've tried. <laughs> You go to terminationquestions.com. You ask a question anonymously, confidentially, and myself or one of my colleagues are going to answer online as quickly as possible. Uh, it's a great tool. And by the way, there's an archive there of mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds of questions. You can go back and find out the information that has already been provided. I want everyone to be informed about their legal rights so terminationquestions.com is a great tool
0: do it for uh, another week my friend the number in the meantime 18558215900 to get a hold of leor outside of show hours and leor l i o r at employmenthour.com this has been the employment hour once again on talk radio am 640 and am 900 chml